jobs today. We need to talk about ideas, good ones and bad ones. We need to learn stuff about the world. We need an honest, intelligent, thought-provoking, and entertaining review of what the hell happened on this planet in the last seven days. We need to sit back and listen to the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove. Yes, dear listener, welcome back. It's episode 263 of the Iron Fist and the Velvet Glove podcast. Lots of things to talk about this week. I am Trevor, a.k.a. the Iron Fist. With me, as always, Scott the Velvet Glove. G'day Trevor, g'day Paul, g'day Warren, g'day listeners. Paul the Twelfth Man. Greetings, Earthlings. And was the beer sponsor. Hello, everyone. Right, episode 263, beginning of year six. The world is still topsy-turvy out there. There's lots happening. Um, Are you expecting it to right itself soon, Trevor? uh, No, I'm not. I'm expecting lots of strange things to keep happening, I think, for the time being. Well, the more that happens, then... Mm. Well, we've got to talk about it. Well, the yeah. more we've got to talk about it, what that's going to do, though, is the, the more batshit crazy stuff that happens on the right, that's going to force the left to actually take a long, hard look at themselves and maybe they'll get back to what they should have been always been about, which is the um, economics. Maybe yeah. eventually. There's so yeah. many distractions. There's no batshit crazy stuff mm. happening on the left, mm. is there? No, not much. Mm. <laughs> There's a hell of a lot happening on both left and right, actually. Let's, let's briefly look at the economics. I didn't mention this in the notes, but I just I was curious. Economics. Well, yes. What's that it's about? so important, people. Yes. Economics. So how bad are things out there? And the answer is bad, but not too bad. So according to the Reserve Bank, the Australian economy is expected to record a contraction in GDP. Now, GDP is a terrible number. Mm. We've already done stories on that. But it's the best we've got for the moment and it's one people recognise. But a contraction in GDP of around 10% wow. over the first half of 2020. Total hours worked are expected to decline by around 20% and the unemployment rate is forecast to rise to around 10%. So a couple of things there. So the GDP is going to be down 10%. Work hours have declined by 20%. That's good news. We're working 20% less, but GDP has only decreased by 10%. Mm. That's a good story nobody's told. I think that might be missing some details. I know, but it's a broad Look, there's lies down my statistics. I've tortured some data until it's confessed to what I wanted and all those things we've talked about. But it is... This is... Bringing the whole thing about... uh, What is bringing to light is that there has been productivity increases over the lifetime of this last 10, 15 years. But salaries have not gone up in the same way productivity has. You know, they've flatlined. We need but, a measure of the overall success of an economy rather than talking about individual numbers. They well, need to be able to combine it But GDP is taken to be that number. As flawed as it is, that's the number that economists and the Reserve but Bank that's, and that's politicians... That's just a measure of production. Well, it's the output of a country. Yeah, but and to Scott's point, if yeah. your output of your country is going yeah. great guns, but everyone's poorer as a result, mm. and no one's no wages aren't increasing, well then yeah, well then if, you've got medium inflation's through the roof. Then you've got medium wage rates. levels, and you've got other you've got other statistics that measure the median wage, the average wage, the wealth of the different sectors. I mean, yeah. we've got those statistics; you can look at them. But um, I just thought on the well, two things. Only, I mean, 10%, 10% of 
In any business, like it's quite possible for a business just to strike a bad year and suffer a 10% loss. Like 10% isn't a big number in the scheme of things, despite what a amazing event this whole thing has been. Really, 10% is something that any business or a country should be able to manage. There should be enough fat in the system, enough rearranging of resources that you can cover a 10% downfall. It's not such a big... If I were a vegetarian, I would resent that last comment. Right. Fat in the system. Yeah. But are I'm you not, saying so the media okay. are overblowing the uh, overblown the how how bad everything is at the moment? I'm Trevor? not saying the media necessarily. I'm just saying that it's a statistic I dragged out and looked at and thought, well, really, that's mm. not so bad. And I mean, it's people as well. I mean, we're all prone to be a bit of a doom and gloom. So. Ten percent. It's not that bad. So it's ten percent down on GDP. And yeah. what was the twenty percent again? And our working hours, total hours worked, oh. have declined by twenty percent. Could, so. Couldn't it be that some industries uh, are less dependent on physical labour and yet produce shitloads of money for the country, like mining, for Ex- example? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So could it could be that the mining industry is not particularly hurt by the uh, COVID crisis, but yep. ordinary people on lesser jobs are very much hurt. Yeah, it could be very uneven mm. in the whole scheme of things. Uneven, but yeah. as a country as a whole, the numbers show we've become perhaps more efficient to work 20% less but only reduce output by 10%. Mm. And in the scheme of things, 10% isn't that much. So... Um, so, you know, it's not great. Nobody would want it, but we shouldn't be... We shouldn't be opening up our veins for it. Yeah, you know, put it that way. It's not that bad. Yeah. And that's the current situation too. That's not projecting forward. It's, yeah, and that's a guess by the Reserve yeah. Bank as to what's happening. So, Economists are um, historically bad at forecasting. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, but anyway... Well, so they, what they're predicting a, a 10% redu- retraction in the whole year, are they? Yeah. Um, well, that the six months, the first half of 2020, will be down 10% no for that six months. Yeah. Okay. So, so all right. To see whether or not we go positive with the September quarter. Mm, see how things turn out. Anyway, the other thing is, um, of course, Melbourne is in um, a spot of bother compared to the rest of Australia. Sympathies to our Melbourne listeners. And it it seems to be that... The uh, sort of quarantine breaches that were happening with the hotels, with um, what was going on there, uh, it sounds like that was a super spreader event, really, mm. and that nearly perhaps a huge majority or almost all of the current outbreak could be um, traced ident- back, traced to, back to those uh, hotel outbreaks. So when we did our episode on... Comparing countries and lockdowns and all of that, one of the factors that we were considering in trying to work out why some countries perform better than others mm. was you can get unlucky with a super spreader event. Mm. And to some extent, Melbourne got unlucky with a super spreader event, it mm. seems to me. Mm. So we'll see how that Stay pans out. Stay away from those super spreaders. So mm. did some of those people in the um, you know rather down market, High-rise apartment blocks. Yes. 
did some of those people come back from overseas, stay in the nice hotels in the city and then get taken and then go home to their apartment blocks carrying Or it the could virus. be that the security guards who are naughty boys... Lived in those tower blocks. Or, or associated with people in those tower blocks and it transferred that way. So we haven't been given the details, but this inquiry that they're having down there is already making noises that a lot of them can be traced to... A lot of the current outbreak can be traced to the the poor management of that quarantine sort of hotel arrangement. So, did you get to the bottom of the drug bus? No, no, no. still remains a mystery. No, didn't get to the bottom of that (laughs) one, Jimmy. Sorry, I brought that up. Yeah, okay. I won't be able to sleep tonight. No. Okay, so now the topic is: I think people are starting to think. Well, are we talking now about suppression or elimination? Of this virus in Australia, and what should we remember? Be... Flattening the curve. Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about flattening. Yeah. The curve. So what should we be aiming for? It seems to me that people are coming around to we should be looking. F- we should be aiming for elimination. Really? Mm. Is that possible? Yes. Really? Mm. Well, even with the Victorian outbreak. Yeah, I mean, Queensland effectively has yeah. reached elimination. Really? Well, we had one. We, had, we, had, yeah. we haven't had any recent positive tests, except there was just one, wasn't no, there? Yeah, there, was, was there was from somebody who came yeah, from overseas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's but been I mean, no community transmission in Queensland for. But the, it's impossible long. to say for sure that there's just no virus out there. Well, it's impossible, but it looks on the face of it that it has actually been eliminated in Queensland. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. Until the next positive test. Well. It could transfer across the border into Queensland. But New Zealand... The question is, if you do eliminate it, do you keep your borders closed indefinitely to any region in the world where it still exists? And I I don't think that's actually a practical... Well, here's the thing. If you're aiming for suppression... So elimination, let's go really hard and get rid of the virus entirely from our shores. As they did in New Zealand. And then we can open up all of our restaurants and bars and, and... uh, have casual sex whenever we want to. Can we? Yeah, indeed. Or suppression where we recognise there's there's always some out there and we always have some measure of of um, social distancing and other laws in place. Now, if you, you, you talked about just before, well, if we go for elimination, our relationship in terms of uh, other countries and Bringing people in was that what you were saying? Was something yeah. like that? Yep. Yeah. But that would be part of a suppression strategy anyway. Like if we were doing suppression, we would still be basically banning Americans coming in by the plane load. Let's mm. face it. Mm. So our our sort of relationship with other countries in terms of international travel, whether we're aiming for elimination or suppression, mm. probably isn't going to be that different, is it? No, I mean, I can't see how it's going to work to, you know, keep... You wouldn't be just keeping Americans out. You'd be keeping a whole range what, of... What we're doing right now. Yeah. And you'd have to and ask the question. Zealand, and what New Zealand is it, doing right now. But it's now. not sustainable. No, it? I don't well, think it's well, sustainable. And you'd have to ask the question then, well, why not apply that to other types of pathogens? Well, well before we go on... Well, because what, this, this pathogen is incredibly virulent. It's, is it? Yeah, it is. It's it, not. It's not, told it's, it's, it's not incredibly it's, virulent. It's not, tell, tell Americans that. Scott, it's not Ebola. 
Like, I know no, it's not no, Ebola. No, that's the death rate is de- Ebola. Death rate yeah. is got, it's a very different thing. De- the death rate and that sort of stuff is extremely So what does virulence refer to? Oh, I don't uh, can, know. It's I con- it means how contagious it, it is. How contagious it is. Okay. Well, and it is, it okay. is extremely contagious. Okay, then it is. Sorry. Yeah. Right. I take that back. No worries. So it's um, herpes. Right? Herpes is extremely contagious. Is it? Have you guys yeah. been checked? Cold sores? Yeah, yeah. yeah. cold sores. Who's, who's had cold sores? Yeah. I had yeah. cold sores for dinner. Well, <laughs> you know, that's a herpes that's virus. That's virulent? Yeah. Extremely virulent? That's herpes simplex. It's not simplex. very deadly. That's or? herpes simplex one, which you get on around your mouth. Herpes mm. simplex two is where you get south of the border. Mm. Okay. Now, that is... Um, What's he talking about, well, I think he's trying to make sense of where you got. I think I'm, I'm let them make their that. argument yeah. rather than put words yeah, okay. in their mouth, Scott. Okay. Like, I'll like, let them go. Yeah, but you seem to be. Here we go. The difference is elimination and suppression. And really, what we'd be doing between those two things isn't a lot different in terms of. It would just be a harder and longer crackdown to get to elimination, whereas and and in. And in many ways, perhaps easier because once you've done it, you don't revisit it every three months when there's an outbreak. Really? That's the idea of elimination. Oh, that's the idea in principle, yeah. yes. That's, that's the, so that's what New Zealand is basically looking at. So New Zealand is looking at a situation where they won't have a Victorian experience because they got rid of it entirely. Why, why are you doing a sh- What's because I just New Zealand just had a case see how on the nineteenth of July. A yeah, yeah, but, yeah, that but that's someone that can come in from overseas. Eliminated. But but when you know that it's coming from overseas and they're in a hotel and they're quarantined, that that doesn't count. That's that's the whole point. This we're talking about community transmission here. So so can you see that? Would you not prefer the? You, like New Zealand, for example, do you think they did the wrong thing? I think that remains f- for history, to, you know, to, to, to be judged in the future. I don't but think we really know enough about it to say that it's been yeah, successful. But, I think it's, on I think the face can, of it at the moment? On the face, on of, the face it, of it, it yeah, looks but it's very successful right Yes, now. but this is, this is what, what are we into it, four, five, six months into the, into the crisis I don't think we'll we'll have a really clear picture of this until a couple of two or three years down the track, frankly. Well, but okay, but when you look at the when you compare football, right over here, they're beating their chest because they're going to allow ten thousand people at ANZ Stadium mm-hmm. to cheer on the Broncos or whoever the hell is it? No, Suncorp Stadium, Suncorp yeah. Stadium. They're beating their chest about having ten thousand stadium attendees there. Yeah. In New Zealand, in front of the Super Rugby over there, they have fifty thousand. 45,000 people, 60,000 people. Already? Already. Oh. Because they have eliminated community spread. Okay. But doesn't it make sense to you that if you manage to eliminate it, then within your little bubble of Australia or New Zealand, you can carry on life as normal pretty much, Mm. whereas if you're just on suppression, then you get these blow-ups in different areas Mm. where you then have to crack down, release like – it doesn't make sense to to do elimination if that is actually possible. If it's in fact possible, yes. But but it's been proven Maybe. to be possible in New Zealand and it's been proven to be possible in Queensland and other states, Western Australia, South Australia. Why do you say it's impossible? I just, I just think it's too early to say that it's 
definitely been eliminated from Queensland or New Zealand. Well, there's an outside chance that there's somebody with it. Yes. But on the face of it, it seems to have been eliminated. I think more so, than an outside chance, but that's just my Well, opinion. you're just off speaking off the top of your head. Like I you're just, am. Whereas when we're looking at the testing that's gone on, every time that somebody's been tested, they've proved negative except where we say, oh, you came from overseas and you're in that hotel and we thought you might have it. Mm-hmm. So you seem very sceptical of what seems to be on the face of it pretty apparent that for the moment it's it's been eliminated and it'll now take an event of it crossing the border for it to enter Queensland. But you just don't I buy just, that. I, no, I, I think it's too early to say, to be honest. But... If you're testing and you can't find it, yeah. then... Then you haven't found it yet. Right, but it, maybe it's not there. Maybe it isn't, and maybe it is, and you just haven't found it. And it's right. just not practical yeah. to keep borders closed right. forever. Right, so... And short of testing say, every single person... Say, you've only got to keep the border closed until you've got a vaccine. Now, according to Donald Trump, we're going to have it by the end of this calendar year, which yeah. I think yeah. is a lot of shit. Yeah. But they're all talking about 18 months from go to having a vaccine. We're six months through it now. Outside chance we're going to have a vaccine in 12 months' time. Then it's going to probably take six months to manufacture enough of it to get out there and do do away with it in the community wholeheartedly. So 18 months from now, I don't think there's going to be a problem. From what I'm reading, we're never going to have a vaccine. Yeah, but you read a lot of... Um, he reads really all those crazy neg- stuff. negative yeah. journals. <laughs> no, you do read a lot of negative stuff. Well, I'm with Warren. I have to say, I heard <laughs> one, one, you know biomedical type scientists saying that making a vaccine is actually very difficult for something like this. I know that. This is a coronavirus. And we've, had, said, we've, had, said, we've had several coronaviruses already yeah, he said and there's no, there's, no, sure. there's no vaccine yeah. for any so, of the previous existing coronaviruses. Yeah, the common cold is a form of coronavirus. That's exactly. It's not They've not developed a vaccine for the happen. coronavirus. But just because and how you... long's a common cold been around? Yeah. Well, it's been around since And what would be the financial cold. incentive for someone to come up with a vaccine for the common cold? And you it think, hasn't happened. You'd think there'd be a strong one, wouldn't you? They didn't develop a vaccine for the Spanish flu. It, it burned out. When you say burnt out, what do you mean? Well, by 1919, that pandemic was over. Yeah, but... When you say burned out, like it didn't burst into flames, what do you mean burned so out? So burned out is a theory that they're talking about now. So we've we've talked about flattening the curve. So burnout now is um, akin to like a bushfire going through a forest. It doesn't sound very pleasant. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it um, wasn't for the people. No. But, but basically it ran through the population and, and mm. people Takes had some – vulnerable. And there was just a, a limited number of people with a natural immunity who, who survived. Yeah, and there were a small percentage of the population that mm. were vulnerable and we're so, always going to so, so let's get succumb this. to either the coronavirus, COVID-19 or influenza or okay. something else. Okay. So, so I think in the terms of New Zealand, they're just delaying the inevitable. Right. So you'd... So New Zealand's delaying. The, what would you do if you're in charge of New Zealand? That they different to what they've they're Mi- currently doing. Migrate. <laughs> I think I think the Sweden approach was was a good one. So if you're Prime Minister of New Zealand, what would you be doing that is not being done now? Well, if I'm the Prime Minister of New Zealand, I'm at the mercy of the media. 
No, but so. what, what would you be doing? You say they've done the <laughs> wrong thing. You've got to keep the media You're saying New Zealand's outside. done the wrong outside, thing outside, or is doing the wrong thing. Job. What should New Zealand be doing that they're not doing? Um, I think New Zealand should be taking the same approach as Sweden. So you th- should they be – I don't know. Is, are you saying that they should be allowing plane loads of people in now to New Zealand and not sh- – and? Yeah, I think they should have open and, the borders. And yeah. should they be quarantined or just let them in? Um, I haven't really thought that through, but the 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 strategy is to protect the vulnerable. That's that's that would that would be the crux I, of I, my strategy. I, I, is, hang, but is I just want to get this entirely clear. If, would, if you're not happy with what New Zealand did, mm. you think they should now let they shouldn't have gone for elimination? Well, borders are open in Europe. Yeah. So so New Zealand should open its borders and allow mm. people in. Mm. and not quarantine them yeah, and just let it uh, look after the people in the nursing homes. Protect the vulnerable. And not, not just the nursing just homes but the, uh, the people that are susceptible. So and, there's, and why there's a should, number of categories Why should of New Zealand risk. do that? Why should New Zealand do that? Yeah, why, why should, what's the imperative that they need to allow people in? Is it to protect um, their economy? Is that it? Uh, is, is it the all-important economy? It's a, it's a matter of balancing out the suffering. So there's not too much suffering in New Zealand at the moment. How do you know? Well, if their economy is down ten percent like ours, ten percent is not much, mm. and everybody's around drinking in bars and having a good time. Like they're actually, mm. they're actually as per normal in New Zealand, mm. and it seems like a nice place to be. Yeah. So at if the, the economy moment. is down ten percent and everybody is living a relatively normal lifestyle, I'm raising the hypothesis that everyone's happy in New Zealand, right? Okay. Okay. So they're, so, they're but, just going to have a, a little bubble in the middle of the Pacific for well, ever. For, well, as a, as a Prime Minister, you could say, let's ride this out now for a year or two or three. Really? And Yes. A year or two or three, really. and let's how see mu- how much of the New Zealand economy and, is dependent on tourism, and and see mm-hmm. what happens, and see what happens because we're not in a rush. Let's see what happens. All those little tour company operators, I dare say, might be in a bit more of a rush than you are. Yeah, well, but, but the New Zealand government has underwritten them too. They have. Okay. They have actually. They've they've handed out a hell of a lot more money per capita than what we have. How, how's the tourism industry going in any other country? Not too well. Exactly. So by opening up, you don't suddenly um, help your tourism industry because well, how's the American need, tourism? They need customers. How's the American survive. tourism industry going? Shit, because nobody's going to America. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So you're every, not going to improve the New Zealand tourism industry by opening it up, are you? Oh, but Europeans are starting to travel again, I think, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. There will be customers, Trevor. I dare say there will be yeah, some Yeah, but customers. I think you should look at Europe as the United States of Europe. What? You should look at Europe as the United States of Europe or the Federal Republic of Europe, in whatever what you sense? want to call it. Those borders are just like state borders here in Australia and in, in, in the United States. Mm-hmm. They are They're porous. It's extremely porous. Mm. So, you know, people travel there mm. exactly the same way you, you, we used to duck down to Byron Bay. Didn't they close the borders during the first oh, stages of did. the pandemic? They did close the borders during the pandemic. Mm. There's no doubt about that. But I think that now that they have opened them up, people are just they're just doing domestic travel can within I, their own country. Can, can I just, uh, in the chat room, Julia, thanks, Julia, for your notes in there. She said in um, Queensland... 
it's 54 days since the last community transmission. Mm. And elimination would be measured by two incubation periods or 28 days mm. in the case of COVID. So, um, so that's a good sign. When you've got, you know, massive um, publicity saying to people, if you've got a cough or a cold or symptoms... Or sore get, throat like me, get, get tested. tested. Everybody yeah. knows to get tested. And in 40, 54 days, nobody has been tested positive via community transmission. Can we just take so, a moment, though, yeah. to reflect that a month or two ago we were talking about flattening the curve. That was the goal, to make sure that our health systems mm. weren't overrun. It then changed to getting on top of this, whatever that meant, and now it's elimination. But, but and I just but, wonder, but the point what's is, the next? Once well, we but, get, once we, but, but was what is elimination? And then once we've achieved elimination, what, which, but, what's the new goalpost? Don't you think that that's probably a reflection of how well we have handled exactly. the virus? Yeah, it because is. we have, we have, we have, we have avoided the worst of it. Because when they were first looking at this, apparently we didn't know what were, we're dealing with. They were yeah. shitting themselves. They were looking at they were looking at casualty lists. And they, were, they were predicting up to a hundred thousand people dying. Which would have been absolutely outrageous. Now they have the modelling got... was outrageous, yeah, <laughs> but, but it makes sense. outrageously wrong. It makes sense to move the goalposts as you get more information, and you look mm. and you go, actually, we can eliminate this. Mm. So okay. that's why people go from we can eliminate we've got to at least flatten the curve, we can eliminate lots of things. But you're taking it as oh, it was elim- it was flattening the curve, and now it's elimination. And what next will it be? As if that's a sinister thing when. If you were to... No, I'm just saying let's take a moment to reflect on the fact that those goalposts have changed a significant amount. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, but there's a hint of... of, Don't read too much into what I'm saying. Just take it at face value. I'm just saying a couple of months ago we were talking about our ICU departments being overrun and I think we got to about 4% of maximum in New South Wales at the height of the pandemic. Yeah, but taking into account everything else you've said as a Mm. whole was... The implication seems to be that it's it's somehow a bad thing that we've changed our goals, that it's something to be wary of. The implication when, seems to be, but that's not the implication. Okay. Well, then let's take it as a positive that having got more information and more experience, we look at it and we go, oh, actually, it might be possible to eliminate this. Yeah. So we can change our goals. Let's eliminate and- some other strain of virus next. Because we did it for coronavirus, why not do it for something else? The common cold. Yes, we have we have done great is, idea. It is, worked is, for COVID. Is that a negative thing or a positive? I can't work it out. Was are well, you I'm saying just, that as a positive or a negative? We've thing? We've got to find a happy balance I'm, at I'm, some point. I'm like, reading why, between why the we, lines. Why have we never tried to eliminate any other viruses? But are you saying in that in a method? negative way or a positive way? I'm asking the question. No, we but, have but tried you, to eliminate HIV ever since it first came onto the market in the eighties. We should have done that with HIV, shouldn't we? Well, we have tried locked down borders and. We put people into isolation and no, quarantine. And there was no point with we that. We might have been ri- gotten rid of it by now. Stop people having sex. There was no point going down that road <laughs> because you, it was only it was only pe- transmissible during sexual intercourse. Well, now, we could have stopped people having sex, Scott. No, that's not that's not practical. <laughs> now, what oh, we're talking about practicality now. What you've got is you had a very successful public education <clears> campaign <throat> where people didn't consider having sex without using a condom. Until PrEP came on the market, 
which you does is a pharma pharmaceutical barrier to HIV. Now, I don't know what the rate what the states are now, but I can't imagine that. Um, I can't imagine the whole thing about condom use has gone down dramatically. Yeah, I just know that HIV killed about thirty five million people worldwide, yeah. and now we're up to how many million dead? Or how many? How many are dead now? 600,000. Yeah, 600,000 from and, COVID. And we're in a long way months. from the end of this. In six months, you've got uh, We're not a long way from the end of it, not, not according to the data. Oh. We're approaching the end of how it. How many are infected in America? Uh, a lot, but how many? there's... What there's, percentage? The deaths are, is what counts. What, how many people... What percentage know? of Americans are infected at the moment? Does I don't know what know? percentage, but it's Well, then rising. how can you say we're not at the end of it? Because, because rising infections is good because that means that it's not as deadly as we first thought it was going to be. Two different uh, situations there. The first question was, well, the first statement was, we're not at the end of this. Mm. And if, for example, in the United States, where it's just running rampant, only Mm. 10% of the population is infected, Mm. then there's a long way to go. What's your definition of the end, though? Eradication? Uh, There's a long way to go in this crisis. So this crisis has a long way to go is what I'm saying. We're, we're not even halfway. Because there's a lot of people infected. There's a lot more to be infected. Mm. So there's still a lot of people uninfected who will be infected. So no, I'm saying this not, cross, not everyone's susceptible for infection. I didn't say they were. I'm saying there's a lot more. We're not halfway is what I'm saying. So here's, here's my proposition. We're not halfway in terms of the deaths. The, the crisis... I'll bet you're a beer. Of, of of, <laughs> of I didn't talk about it. I'm talking about the crisis. Yeah. So and we're not halfway. So I'm saying we've got a long way to go. And quantify so, that in terms we, of time or what? Or we, number we, of infections. Number of infections. Or we're or not halfway. Number of infections. Right? Yeah, but not halfway. But who cares about infections? Well, it's important was because well, if you allow infections to get out of control, yeah. then you overwhelm the health service and no. then you get more deaths. No. So this is what's happening. You don't in, overwhelm the health service. No, that's what happened in New York. We didn't overwhelm the health service. That's what happened in New York. In April. That's what happened in New York. At some hospitals, but not the whole well, then, system. The whole system wasn't overwhelmed in New York. Well, Certain hospitals had periods well, well, where they were overwhelmed. I think it's safe to say the New York health system was overwhelmed by no, coronavirus. No, it's not safe to say that. You People had... were in corridors <laughs> and in makeshift yes, rooms. Yes, in certain hospitals they had and, some really and bad ICU moments, units system. Were... And that was probably a more of a, uh, a problem than the fact that they weren't transferring patients between different hospitals because some hospitals weren't overloaded at all but and you, some hospitals were overloaded. You had that situation where they... You, you so the open, system, you if we're talking about in individual ref- hospitals, yes, individual hospitals were overloaded at certain They're points. They piling people in refrigerated trucks and they had no room for them in the morgues. Like the system was overrun. It wasn't overrun. Certain hospitals okay. were, but well, not we'll the have system. to disagree on that one. <laughs> Was says that the New York health system wasn't overrun. Do, do you yeah. think it depends on where you're getting your information from? I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I don't read the data that as closely as you guys, but um, but you had that situation where they had to where they where the New York governor said we're going to have to open up, we're going to have to use the um, spare beds in nursing homes 
for the overflow COVID patients. And now that turned out to be a disaster too, because you had the yeah, you was, had the COVID patients were then infecting the people, that were, the residents, sending the sick homes. people back to nursing homes. That yeah. was uh, insane. That wasn't very intelligent. No. <laughs> Did they then also had, build a temporary hospital in, in Central Park? They did, yes. And they didn't use it, though, did they? Oh, I don't know. No, if they not didn't really. use it. It was used, but not probably to its full potential. But one of the big and problems with the United States that is that they're use. a collection of individual states, and they have these individual health systems, and there was no sharing of resources. Like in France, they had trains set up so that if there was a hot spot on the East Coast, they'd put lots of infected people on a train ship them off to Brittany or some other region of France where the health system, they were mm. sitting around twiddling their thumbs and they were able to spread the load. Mm. And they just didn't do that in the United States very well. And they particularly didn't do that well in New York State. We're going to have to do agree to disagree and move on. But mm. um, I'll, uh, I'll find it, some information yeah, on that. Do, do that. But I've seen enough already to mm. know uh, I'm quite confident with my opinion on Before we do move on, mm. I'd like to ask Was because mm. he said, you know, the susceptible people to the infection. Mm. I was wondering what category he'd mark that 30-year-old woman in Victoria that's now in the ICU with COVID. Oh, I don't know the details. I don't know what comorbidities she has or whether she's overweight. Or... But there are exceptions, you know, Scott. Yeah, course. there's exceptions, definitely. I know, there's a lot of exceptions and that's the whole point. With the, that's but, why well, I think 90, 95% I of think people are over 65 years yeah. of age. I think it's dangerous. Most of the I think people it's that dangerous die. what you two are actually operating on, because you're saying that you I was born to be dangerous. <laughs> but there's there's young people. There's young people die of influenza. I know there's young every people year that, all I over know, the world, but, thousands of them. But not in the numbers that you could kill with this disease. Uh, you're wrong. It's not. This as, is this is an old person's yeah, disease. This is this is an is old not, person's. This is a sick person's disease. It's not a young. It doesn't kill young people. Okay. There are exceptions. Agree to disagree. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you look at the distribution according to age and uh, health, it's 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 taking out. So, so, so can I briefly summarise the was <laughs> and Paul sort of joint hypothesis, um, hypothesis is that uh, that the the dangers and the risks of COVID have been overstated and that um, we should let it run through the population and just look after the very susceptible and otherwise keep our economy open because that's... Treat it uh, like uh, it's a very bad flu season. Right, that's your proposition, right. And, in fact, okay. Sweden have had worse flu seasons in the last 20 years. I think they've okay. had about four... Okay. Seasons, flu seasons, where more people have died of the flu than have died of COVID-19 during the 2019-2020 flu season. And you don't accept that without some substantial social controls at least. Uh, so, so the counter-argument is we needed to flatten the curve because there's a real risk of our, of our health system being overrun and not being able to look after people properly and people dying needlessly. Well, we could have thought there was that risk, survived. but we've and determined now that there is no longer no, that risk. No, you have, but that's not what people are otherwise saying because 
the you know the other alternative proposition to you flatten is flatten the curve went the, away a long time ago. Uh, the, People no, stopped talking about flattening the curve a long time ago. No, no, no. The, the, the counter proposition to you is that if we do nothing and we let it run through our population, hmm. we'll actually have so many people infected that our health system will be overrun and we won't be able to look after people and we'll have unnecessary deaths. Look, I'm not but, saying let it you, run. But you don't That's a false that. dichotomy because there's well, not a, such a thing as a lockdown or not a lockdown. That's, that's an argument that we got into last time. There's degrees of lockdown. And if you it's, – it's try the um, uh, Oxford University – I sent you some data on this. They tried to quantify it and they gave Sweden at the height of the pandemic a score, a severity score of 40 out of 100. So 100 is the most severe lockdown that you can have. Zero score out of 100 is business as usual. Sweden went to 40 at the height of the lockdown um, and the UK went to 75. So... We, we've got to stop talking about lockdown or not lockdown. We've got to start talking about severity of lockdown. And I'm not suggesting that we just let it rip. I'm saying let's be practical and pragmatic about it and let's use empirical data to come up with a strategy for dealing with this, a practical strategy for dealing with this, rather than being dictated to by the media and um, non-empirical evidence. But others would say the empirical evidence is that the infection rates are such that you'll get so many people infected, so many people in hospital, that you'll end up not being able to look after these people and you'll have unnecessary deaths. But you don't accept that. I don't think anyone's saying that now. No, they are. I'm not not saying that. They're saying people are are saying if we did nothing and we, we would recreate New York everywhere. No. But you don't think New York was a problem. I, I, so. I haven't seen that. I've done a lot of reading on this, Trevor, and no one's saying that now. Of course of course they are. No one with any knowledge on this. This is like... No, no. People I was are thinking saying, today, this is like nuclear power. So but, let me explain. Hang on. No, wait, 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 wait. You can't deny that it's an infectious disease. Mm. And if we do nothing, people will be infected and we will end up with a, the, a massive amount of the population infected. So what we're seeing now is lots of infections, but... No, no we're not. In, where? In Australia, in, in, no. In Australia. No, we're, we're not. No, sorry, in, in the US. Yes. And, and, and Japan and, and countries oh, like that. I don't know about Japan, but They're, let's just compare the US. Because the US at, is I a good example. I looked at the data today. Of, Japan's having what you would call a second wave if you said that they've got another rise in let's infections. Let's just stick in, to the US. In fact, just, they've just, got... To not complicate things, can we just stick to the US? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm just making the point that it's not the US that's having a second wave of infections. It's lots of countries around the world um, um, as they're opening back up. And what we're finding is that there's not a corresponding increase in the deaths. So what we're finding is that um, there, there's... Um, but what, why is there not a corresponding because of innate immunity. In the, in because the, New York got overrun and we haven't got to an overrun situation yet. Like the hospitals in Florida, for example. Yeah, so we're going around in circles reached, New York yeah. didn't get overrun. Yeah, well, you're just not accepting that. So we are going around in circles. So, um, all right, we'll have to leave that. Are we now um, moving on to masks? Yes. I'm, I, I'm now I'm really – Scott, I'm glad you're back. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I, I begin to so, okay, Melbourne. This is why I said that you know, Trevor, Paul's drunk too much of the Libertarian Kool Aid. You've drunk too much of the Chinese Communist Party Kool Aid. So this is why I'm back to be the voice of reason. Thanks, <laughs> masks. In Victoria, they're now mandatory in public. Absolutely, they bloody well should be too. Does anybody disagree? Yes. Do tell us, Maga, why? Maga. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, is it? What's with the uh, ad hominems? No, oh, I just disagree. It was funny. Look, he just did an ad hominem about me and the Chinese. <laughs> did I have a problem with that? So, well, you know, I, yes. We're, we're not offended around here, Paul. No, we're, we're, not not, we're not easily offended. I just think it's a poor um, characterization for you know someone disagreeing to be. Then a Trumpite. You are a Trumpite. If you oh, don't, you, if you don't believe in oh, compulsion on. on masks, then you. So are I a, must a, a, agree with Trump on no, everything. You are not agreeing with Trump on. on everything. But whose you know, side are you on, Paul? Come on, <laughs> make a choice. Actually, I'm 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 open on the mask issue to some extent. Here's the thing. Good for you. So um, Craig, uh, deep throat. Mm. sent us a link to a site where it it goes through um, proper empirical studies by proper groups on various medical topics and then tells you what the consensus is wow. of the studies that have been done. Good. And when it came to masks, what it seemed to me was that masks are actually effective within a home to stop transmission between family members. So if, for example... What about you, when you, you are, lift the mask up to have a little kiss? Yeah, and then, then that doesn't work. Right. But, um, but if you, for example, had somebody staying in your home who, has, who was infected, then there's evidence that masks work uh, with some effectiveness okay. to stop transmission within a home. Mm -hmm. But it seems that in the outdoors, the usefulness of masks is... Questionable. Oh, it appears yeah. to be from the data, and so, and and but, beyond but, that, it doesn't appear as though this disease gets transferred outdoors. Full stop. Um, that the, well, I shouldn't say yeah. that. I sh never say never that you're never going to contract it outdoors. But the risk is so low; it's almost negligible. And and you know, marks are about managing risks, and if the risk isn't but but Paul, is, is only low to mild in the first place. And you, you're against masks. Or, I'm not against masks. Ah, you're against I'm mandatory against masks. Mandatory masks. Right. Now you know in the UK now that they've uh, instituted mandatory masks when you enter a shop. Right. That and would make more sense. That like, makes sense. It's like a hundred yeah. pound fine. Are you okay with that? No. Okay. See, from the evidence I've heard, I'd be okay with that because oh, it's an you? indoor environment. Okay. Mm. And. That to me would make sense. Okay. Yeah, if you can back it up with empirical evidence mm. rather than anecdotal bullshit. No, I and I think Hong Kong has done something similar yeah, with Look, um, I'm open to persuasion. I'm just by temperament um, resistant to anything <laughs> being mandatory. Yes. And I'm not a mugger. <laughs> um, I can understand where you're both coming from. No, not Paul. I can't understand you at all. My I can understand where you're coming from, Trevor, saying that, you know, you probably shouldn't make it mandatory for outdoor use or anything like that. But if you're in indoor, if you're indoors, then mm. I think it should be mandatory. Yeah. Indoor public space? Yeah. Definitely. Mm -hmm. yep. But see, so okay. then you've got that other problem where you get off the tram 
you take your mask off, which is mean you're going to be touching it, and then you put it back on when before you go into the shops. Mm. I would have thought that was where you could have ended up transferring the disease that could have been picked up on the tram on your hands mm. and you put it on your mask where you're taking it off when you get off the tram, then you put it back on and you put the mask mm-hmm. back on when you go back into the shops. I would have thought that you're better off just putting the mask on, wearing it until you get home again. Wow. The primary transfer mechanism is droplet transfer. Yeah, mm. I know, but then not, not from surfaces. So you well, guys, then why have they gone around and put up all those red stickers on the um, on the pedestrian crossings to say that you should put it on? Because they've been very precautious. Okay. Because deep throat. And that was in the, the early stages of the pandemic when we knew little about it. And mm. and this is the problem. We I had no problem with any of this stuff. In fact, when I first started getting my head into this COVID stuff, I thought people were underreacting because there were so many unknowns. And then strategies got put into place and then new information come to light to to show that, it okay, it's not as bad as what we first thought. But then the authorities, rather than change the strategy to suit the new information, just tried to defend their initial Mm. strategy. And we got into this political situation where leaders were reluctant to say, you know what, we've got new information now. Um, it's not as bad as we first thought and so we're going to change our strategy. The media would have hammered them then and said they didn't know what they were talking about. Mm. They're flip-flopping. You yeah. know, they've changed their mind. Like flip-flopping is some It's a political liability, do, yeah. You, you know? don't want to do that in politics. So if you come up with a strategy, That's right. you know, you, you... I totally agree. I, they, they just couldn't, ex- they couldn't admit publicly that they may have got the modelling wrong, wrong, that they may have instituted strategies that turned out not to be necessary. They just couldn't admit that they got anything wrong. I Mm. I don't think that's the case. Really? When did they ever? I I don't think that they they overreacted. I I think the evidence is that we've actually had a better result than we could have hoped for and I think and that as a result we're now considering elimination rather than suppression. So it's a better story than we could have hoped for. Mm. And I don't take I don't agree with you that they were too scared by the media to to change their priorities or or their tactics because the media would crucify them. I think they just A aren't that smart. B <laughs> can't tell a story and C don't know what they're doing anyway. But, well, but I think UK, if they actually looked at it and said, you know what, now's the time we could go for this, they'd do it whether the media well, – I, I don't agree I, that I, the media's to blame to in, in a lack of Early action. March in the UK because the UK got a bunch of scientists in a room, multidisciplinary, sociologists, data analysis, you know, they took the, a scientific approach to, okay, there's this COVID thing coming, what are we going to do? and they put a strategy in place. Immediately the media jumped on it and criticised it because that's what the media's job is and that's fair enough. But on the 16th of March, that report got released of that preliminary modelling data out of the Imperial College and the media focused on two numbers there. There was a number of 500,000 deaths in the UK and 2 million deaths in the US, and that was the absolute worst case of all worst case scenarios. And days later, guess what? 
Boris Johnson and the UK change strategy to exactly the strategy that the media was saying. It's, it's the tail wagging the dog. We haven't got the scientists and the politicians in charge here. We've got the media in charge. I don't think that was the case in Australia. We just we followed suit. Uh, America I, America I, went we, we after that and we, we, we've pretty much followed America we in had, terms of our stringency of our lockdown. We haven't followed America. We have. No, we haven't. We have, and I can show you the report from Oxford that showed that the stringency index of our lockdown mimicked the US almost to the day, Trevor. No. Our Australian... In terms of our lockdown, I've sent you this data and you've refused to look at it, obviously. You told me you've sent me things before and you haven't sent me stuff. So um, Australia's lockdown and suppression... Has been totally different to the US. How so? Well, well for a start, for starters, we actually in the US down. you can't say a consistent story. You would have to say which state for starters, because yeah, in the US, but this report a- from Oxford averaged out all of the US states. It, it did a very thorough scientific analysis of the lockdown, Trevor. Uh, look, and I can show you the graphs. I could probably uh, pull it up in uh, five minutes if uh, you give me the time. I I gave you. Um, oh, I gave you examples of Ireland, I think, where there were arguments over over the lockdown and its effectiveness mm. between these different groups. But if your proposition is that Australia has followed the USA in terms of our response to coronavirus, I'll disagree and we'll let that one ride. And well, you you're not just disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with the Oxford... Send it to intellectuals, me. Trevor. I'm, I'm, it's not my opinion. I'm just I'm just forwarding on information that's come to hand. Send and it it's to Oxford, me. And it's Oxford, so it's not some backwater. <laughs> you know. Send it to me, and I'll look at it. Was but um, again, I'll send it to you again. Yeah. Well, send it to me in advance if you want to talk about it. And say, I oh, did. I, I sent it to you in advance of the last episode. What's that? And um, Deep Throat had printouts of it. Right. But we never got around to talking about it. Okay. All right. Well, complain to me. But um, you want to talk about then? No, honestly, you sent me something about the lockdown in America matched the Amer- Australian lockdown. Mm. And I. And you printed it out. Does this sound at all no, familiar no, to you? No. no. I've read it, but that's. Right. Deep Throat okay. printed it out. Right. I read it. I was it, pointing there know. because Deep Throat was sitting there. All right. Okay. <laughs> Let's try and move on, but when it comes to masks, I'm prepared to say eh, outdoors, I don't know that they're effective. Indoors, public spaces, good idea. What I'd like to just but say about a- masks is yeah. why don't we have a consensus on whether they work or not? Like I made this point in our chat today. Yeah. We've got a Halon Collider, one kilometre underneath the earth in Sweden somewhere that costs $30 billion dollars to build it's in Switzerland, isn't Switzerland it? or CERN yeah. or wherever it is. And, you know, yes, we've got a Higgs boson particle, great, but the scientific community hasn't determined yet whether wearing masks in the middle of a pandemic is a good idea or not. There's no consensus on that. Well, Warren, what's... And it just seems like, you know... What's an appropriate diet for a human being? Well, there's no like, consensus on that either. No, like, that's right. So not everything has been worked out yet. But all but, so you do your best. 
yeah. based on the information but, you and, have. And that's that's my point. There's lots of things that we should be studying that we're not. Right. Well, I'm and sure people stuff are. stuff that we're studying like, and I think, why are we studying that? Like, well, we've got pandemic. gender studies where we're looking at the difference between the 76 different de- genders and uh, we still don't know whether wearing a mask in the middle of a pandemic is a good idea or not. Yeah, yeah. You've still got scientists going, well, yeah. a lot of our pandemic, the jury's out on that. A lot of our pandemic <laughs> knowledge will improve. I'd like to think of it as seatbelts. Mm. Like, scientists got together at one point in time and said, Yep, you should wear a seatbelt when you're travelling in a car. And we all thought, butte, we'll do that. But wearing a mask in the middle of a pandemic, oh, not so sure. You could put it on wrong. Well, you could put a seatbelt on wrong as well and do yourself more harm than good, you know. Unlikely with a modern seatbelt. Well, you could sit in it wrong. You could. I've, I've seen some... You'd have to be trying to get it wrong. Yeah, and... People do some stupid things with masks as well. I mean, we talked about it last week about people pulling it down and leaving their nose hanging out over the top. But, yeah. you know, but even even I think my, my intuition tells me that even a poorly worn mask is better than no mask at all. I mean, telling you yeah, to sneeze into your elbow, surely it's better to sneeze into the backside of a mask than your elbow. Yeah, well, your intuition <laughs> tells you that, but according to Craig, you could be worse mm. if you... If you've got an infected mask, could be worse. Yeah, yeah. so but you in- could be in a badder situation by incorrectly fitting a seatbelt as well. It, it's it's. I okay. mean, if you put a it's, if you put a a child who's too young into a seatbelt, you know, yeah. I could imagine a situation where an incorrectly fitted seatbelt or wearing it. So what's the point here? Is it that I'm saying you're just disappointed that the medical community has worked out? I am disappointed the medical community for right. all of our scientific prowess and all of the achievements. And did you that find we've any made. articles about masks about its effectiveness? No, no, didn't find one about it. No, didn't find a single study. Oh, I haven't gone looking. Well, there might be one then. But there might be one. What? Craig did they're, say they're saying that, here right. in Queensland you don't have to wear a mask. Mm. They, they, they said in, in, in the United States during the early stage of the pandemics, please don't wear a mask. Now they're saying do wear a mask. Yeah. Craig says don't wear a mask. Other doctors would say you should wear a mask. No, I'm Craig saying, didn't say don't wear a mask. But he said they have their limitations. He said there are yeah. issues with it. Mm. But he didn't say don't wear a mask. Mm. Anyway... I'll send you a link to the study on masks for next week. Good. Okay, good. So, um, which was basically saying so, outdoors, limited effectiveness, indoors, definitely What some. do you think if masks were made mandatory to enter a store, an office or a workplace? A good idea. I don't have a problem really? with it. In the really? current environment. No problem whatsoever. Yeah. But, I mean, it could go on forever. If, yeah, if, I, if the idea is elimination, you know. Well, well let's do it for six gonna, to 12 months and see what happens. Exactly. Yeah. And I only think it's going to be down the eastern seaboard because we're the three states that have – well, Queensland – is possibly going to have some community transmission because we've opened our border up to New South Wales. We could end up with community transmission with that opening. Have we, have we let those dirty southerners? Back we have into let them the back state. into the state. Yes. Now, can't we just keep them out? <laughs> we, we're going to end. I think we're going to end up with some community transmission up here north of the Tweed, but <laughs> I don't think it's going to be extreme. It's not going to be another Victoria. Well, you'd hope it's not going to be another Victoria. And time will tell. Yeah, time, only time will tell. Now, it seems to me that the Western states, and I include 
South, South Australia. Australia. South Australia, Western Australia and the Northern Territory have eliminated all community transmission. Well, they're lucky because no one wants to go to South Australia. <laughs> And Sorry Tasman. to the listeners in yeah. those states. Just joking. And Tasman- it's just, just, it was like the Chinese thing. It was yeah, like the MAGA thing. It's know. just a joke. Of we course. Can, we all yeah. know that. Yeah. And Tasmania has also eliminated community transmissions too. So, you know, I think you could then probably carve off the eastern seaboard and say everyone in the eastern seaboard has got to wear a mask, you know? Hmm. Right. Can I just uh, – oh, there's messages I've been missing. Sorry, I didn't scroll down to the bottom. Uh, some good news about mask wearing in the UK for young people. Apparently it's, um, it's all the rage on – what young people are doing is they've got their mask on and then they'll put a sort of a, a scarf over their head and put a bit of grey hair and they can walk into liquor stores and buy alcohol. Yes, yeah. I saw that. That was funny, wasn't it? <laughs> So, yeah, so teenagers able to buy alcohol because the mask is covering their young faces and uh, they're they're loading up. Dear listener, not too long ago, you looked at your podcast app and saw that a new episode of the Iron Fist and Velvet Glove podcast was available to download. Did you silently think to yourself, wait, a new podcast? I like listening to those guys. If so, then you qualify as a potential donor to the podcast. Your donation will help cover some expenses, but more importantly, your donation tells the boys that they are on the right track and to keep up the good work. A dollar a show is all they ask. Go to their website at ironfistvelvetglove.com.au and click on the donations link. Right. Here's another one then. You're the proprietor in Melbourne, uh, kind of in a hot spotish area of a pizza shop Mm. and a phone call comes in and says, um, we'd like nine pizzas, please, to take away. Do you provide the takeaway nine pizzas um, and wish them luck? Or do you you consider contacting the authorities and saying, look, you know what, I've just got this order for nine pizzas. It might be all good, but I don't know. I'm a little bit worried that there's a gathering of more than five people uh, Here's what's happening. What libertarian? We, tell me. We want to create guess, East, guess, East Germany. Libertarian in, in Paul. Libertarian Paul. We want um, to create East Germany in Australia, do right. we? Where everyone's told to snitch on their whoever who might no, be China. breaking a rule. China. We want to create Paul, China. Paul, can I give you an example? You're in a you're um you're in a car as a passenger. Yep. And uh, you're driving down the freeway. And I'm driving. I uh, know you're the passenger, and your driver is driving. Seats no. like the baby in the Simpsons. So, so you can access your mobile phone legitimately, and you're in the um, middle lane, and on the outside lane, a motorbike tears past, doing obviously 160k, yep. and you can see the number plate. Yep. Do you uh, hop on the phone to ring the police and say there's a there's a motorbike out of control on the? Out of control. You said he was just past you doing 160. That's not necessarily out of control. There's a motorcyclist doing 160 on the freeway. Do yeah. you, do, would you consider it? As an ex-motorcyclist, no, of course not. He was right. having fun or she was having fun. <laughs> <laughs> Till he wrapped, wrapped himself around a pole or wrapped somebody well, else around a pole. That's his or her choice. So you, you, know? you, you just let that one go. I would let it go. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, let me see if I've got another example. He was... Any thoughts on the pizza proprietor if the nine pizzas have been ordered? Oh, God. I don't know. See, if they were young people, healthy people, go for it. 
if they were have a party, guys. What if about it, if, if, they it was, were if it's been delivered to a nursing home? Players delivering to a nursing home. Different story. <laughs> Report them. Different story. <laughs> it's about risk. It's about risk. Likelihood and consequences. But in a nursing home, they'd surely have more than, you know, 20-odd old people to eat those nine pizzas, wouldn't they? They probably just... That's a good point. Yeah, they probably just can't be bothered cooking them a decent meal that night. Yeah, yeah. reporting them for if, uh, ba- providing poor nutrition. If you're looking at nine pizzas amongst five people, that's quite possible to do because I remember the night... Yes. Right, no, yeah. the night that... Um, the night after I went to the I doctor for my life-changing appointment... I went home and I scarped down two large pizzas and washed it down with a two-litre bottle. Two large pizzas? Yes, and I washed it down with a two-litre bottle of Coke and got up the next morning and cooked breakfast and cut two lunch and all that pizzas. sort of thing. I did that, yes. Was that like a last that, hurrah? That was hello, a last hurrah. Hello, Lee. <laughs> did you hear that story? No. Oh, the doctor took his glasses off and looked at me. I went in on my 45th birthday, took his glasses off, looked at me, and he said, do you want to see 50? Really? And I said, no, mm. 40th birthday, actually. Yeah, he mm. took his glasses off, looked at me and said, do you want to see 50? And I said, is it that bad, is it? He said, yes, it is. So I went home. Imagine if he said there's a pandemic coming <laughs> and well, if you're obese, you're at a high risk. Is there a circumstance where you would report someone to the police? Of yes. Illegal activity? Yes. Right. Like what? Suspected child abuse, I, su- oh. I suppose. If, if I was damn sure someone was, you know, bashing his wife in the house next door. Yeah, I would definitely call the police, absolutely. Right. Where I saw, you know, definite harm being perpetrated or very likely to be perpetrated. But nine pizzas doesn't ring alarm bells to me in that same sort of sense. Okay. But um, bearing in mind, of course, the police turn up and it's five guys scoffing nine pizzas and they say, good luck to you guys, see ya. Like, if they're not actually doing anything wrong, it's not a problem, is it? I just don't want a, a society... Where everybody who has the sort of vaguest, slightest, you know, feeling that something might be wrong or somebody might be breaking the law, that they call the freaking cops on you, you know what I mean? Who wants to live in a society like that? Do you? Do we really want to be in a society where young people don't care about old people? Because like, they're eating pizza? No, because they're gathering a crowd of 20 people who don't give a shit that they're, and they're possibly probably all, spreading a virus that's going to kill And they're probably all mother. under 30 and yeah. very unlikely to... But it's not the point of whether they're going to be wow. uh, uh, die of coronavirus. It's, yeah. it's the fact that they spread it to somebody exactly. else. They're going it's to the, take it home. It's the uncaringness of it's, it. They're going to take it home. They're going to give it to mum and dad. Mum and dad are going to go see their mum and dad in the aged uh, old folks' home. And then that's where it spreads. That's a big series of assumptions, I think. I, you know, I, I just don't think you can second guess every possible, you know, sort of line of infection that might result from a few young people having a pizza party, for goodness sake. I'll just quote Julia in the chat room. She says, young people get infected and can infect others. The risk is not limited to them. Their decision to take a risk affects others in a pandemic. Rights and responsibilities are two sides of the same coin, inseparable hierarchy of rights. When your assertion of your rights negatively affects someone else or could, you've gone too far. Like just getting back to the motorcyclist, you were like, he's having fun. but On the motorway, right? Yeah, but still, that's dangerous to the rest of us. Depends on how much traffic's on the motorway, really. Well, it does. A, a motorcyclist doing 150 is not dangerous. I, well, I, <laughs> like, when I drive to Sydney to visit family, I usually drive through the night because there's just 
far less traffic and it's safer for me as a driver with less traffic on the road. It's the same for a motorcyclist. I would say it's a different story if um, the authorities, the, the, the governments have said, look, we're, we're going to try and eliminate this thing. But they haven't actually said that, have they? No, one, I don't think anyone's come out in Australia and yeah. said, our goal is for elimination now. No, no Scott one, Morrison hasn't said it. No one has said it because yeah. they're, they're, they're sticking with this fiction that suppression is the right way to go. Yeah. Now, and, and, and they've created this fluffy goal of suppression. Because you don't like the goal, you don't like the law. No, I'm saying so you're not what's help suppression? What, define it. Put some numbers on it. What, but, but you seem to be how saying... How do we know that, that we've suppressed it? Because I, I, I engaged a, a, a woman last week online about COVID-19 and she said, you know, here in Queensland we've got to keep the borders closed because we've got to get on top of this thing. And I said, we've got two confirmed cases. <laughs> what's, what's your definition of getting on top of this? Like, Perhaps she, if she'd said stay on top, would that have been okay? No, I just... If she I said, haven't got a problem with her saying it. I'm just saying, put some put some numbers on it. But but if she define said, it, if she said, what's getting on top of it? If what's that suppressing? same woman had said stayed, would you have been okay with the statement? Maybe she's just not good at English. Maybe um, she meant to say stay. I'm okay with her saying it. Yeah. I'm. Oh, I just. I'm just yeah. asking for definition around what is get on top of it mm. or what is suppress it because, mm. you know, it's. It's a word. Like you can say something is dangerous. What's dangerous to me is not dangerous to you. What's risky to me is not risky to someone else. Yeah, but the point getting on top of it. I would have thought getting it down to two cases would have been getting on top of it. But obviously for her, that wasn't getting on top of it. And I would like to see some politicians have the balls to come out and say, "Rightio, we've suppressed it. Now we're going to eliminate it." But they haven't I got think, the balls to say that because fine they, will. they don't believe that they can actually achieve that. And when they don't achieve that, they'll get crucified. Uh, I think you'll find that it's at some point somebody's going to say it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. It's going to be very interesting if Daniel Andrews and, says it. And, and yeah. Yep. God, he's got some work to do Let, then. Let's quickly let's move on. One more, one more COVID thing before we, before we move on to, um, yeah, you're right. Uh, before we move on to other non-COVID things, um, Danny Minogue. Danny Minogue. Hey? We're not talking about celebrities, are we? Danny Minogue. Oh, we? Yeah. She came <laughs> yeah. into the country and she got a special leave pass. She didn't have to go into quarantine. What? From her doctor. That's outrageous. It is she outrageous. Had a letter from her doctor. Well, she should have been fucking locked up like everyone who no, comes into the country. Oh, good. Am I in the only? I'm the only one who's saying it's okay. So it's okay that she got in so, with the special dispensation. So here's well, well, should we just give some? facts? I don't know the facts. Okay, yeah, let me give some facts. Let's yeah. give some facts. Okay, um, the health minister in Queensland denies that celebrity Danny Minogue received special treatment after it was revealed the presenter was allowed to bypass costly hotel quarantine and self isolate at a private residence instead. Um, her and her son? Do, do, yeah. Dr Young, so she's come from the Gold Coast with her son. Um, Dr Young said because Ms Minogue had a COVID-safe plan managed by a third party, because she was managing all of the costs of her quarantine, she was allowed to stay in private accommodation, right? Um, Health Minister said people in the film and TV 
television industry as well as a number of other groups, including consular officials, ADF personnel, oil and gas industry workers, have also been allowed to avoid mandatory hotel quarantine. I believe I've given 38 such exemptions. So here's what I think is happening. I think she is in a private residence and she has had to pay for private security guards to be there watching and making sure that she doesn't leave. I think that's what What leads you to think she would pay private security? Uh, Ms Young, Ms Minogue had a COVID-safe plan managed by a third party. So... Her boyfriend? um, And because she's managing all the costs of the quarantine. So to me, let's just assume, forget what the actual situation is, but let's just assume that she's agreed to pay private security to watch her and tick off that she stays and does all the right things in the same way as they do at hotel rooms. If somebody can afford to do that and wants to, that to me sounds okay because I don't care whether they're in a hotel room or not. If somebody is independently watching them and testifying as to their the fact that they're isolated, nobody's coming in and out, what would what, what matter? No, I think she should have been locked in a hotel well, like everyone else. I think it's great promotion for whatever TV show or album she's got coming up. You know, and, th- These stories are all about promoting celebrities. Yeah, and you know how trustworthy <laughs> celebrities are. When, you know, when Do you think like, she just wanted to be in her own home? Or in of a pro- course she did. So, Who wouldn't? Yeah. But you think it's because of publicity and she thought, I'll do this because it'll get more publicity. Well, <clears throat> Kanye has got a new album out and he decided to run for president, didn't he? And uh, that, that drew a lot of attention to I, I, okay. Kanye. He... Just back to Minogue. So you say she should have gone into a hotel with everyone else? Exactly. If she wanted to, if she wanted to upgrade yep. it to a suite or something like that at her own expense, that would be fine. Okay. Was? Don't care. Don't I haven't got the details to be able to. Like, Didn't even want to work with my assumed details. Well, well, there was a letter from her doctor and they weren't saying what was in that letter oh, yeah. from her doctor. So until we know what was in that letter from her doctor, we're only speculating. Right. As an egalitarian, yeah. I think if they're going to an egalitarian, make rules yes. for citizens, mm-hmm. then they should apply equally to all citizens. Right. Okay. If you are listening, Danny Minogue, I've got a spare room at right. my place. There you go, I'll, Danny. Uh, I'll look after you. There she goes. And her Do you son, like bicycles? So, uh, Don't you? Yeah. <laughs> right. Was <laughs> Hillsong Update, how's yes. your conversion going? Well, I still haven't got Jesus in my heart yet. What? Not um, yet. You've had a whole week. You've yeah. got him on your side, though, don't you? Uh, is it on my side, is it? I thought it was in my heart. I no, can't remember. that photo that I sent that well, Jesus the is, is on your side. The heart is on the left side, so in that sense, Jesus is on your side. So last we spoke, you were invited to start the Alpha course. Yeah, and I just yeah. sent an inquiry in to see what this Alpha course was all about. And mm. um, not surprisingly, it's not a course. <laughs> it's right. just a group chat. It's just right. getting people together to facilitate discussion about Christianity. To to conversate. (laughs) Did you notice I used that word? I did. Yeah, I did notice that. (laughs) I thought you'd be uh, be all over that. Yeah, Yeah, okay. um, So, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed that I can't report back much from Hillsong at the moment and Mm -hmm. I'll keep an eye on their website and 
work out when they're going to be open um, for a service and I'll get along to that and I'll try and make a few friends and right. get some, some juicy information for you. But at the moment, all I can report back is that um, swapped a few emails. There were some mm. sort of auto-generated ones. But to be honest, um, there hasn't been a terrible – they haven't been that pushy. They haven't been as pushy as I thought they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of – I've subscribed to different things online and they've been way pushier. They've sent emails every second or third day mm-hmm. saying, have you signed up yet? Have you, yep. you know, yeah. click I've, here and send money, I think, blah, yeah. blah, blah. They, they haven't done that. So They're playing the long game, Warren. Right. Yeah. Yep. Don't okay. know. Right. Don't know. But. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, I saw that they uh, sent you – one of the emails they sent gave the example of a man in Canada – who was um, drowning and a good Samaritan jumped in to try and save him. Yeah, and I the saw good that. Samaritan died in the uh, the original sort of drowning guy was rescued by other people. And, yeah. the, and the person who jumped in as a good Samaritan trying to rescue this drowning guy died. Yeah. And basically in the email it said uh, um Rescue officials said it serves as a tragic reminder of what can happen when people who aren't trained in life-saving skills jump into the water when they see someone in distress. Many would-be rescuers enter the water only to become victim themselves. And I think the whole point of that was to plant the seed that um, uh, you need experienced people with you to to save you. So it said a drowning man cannot save another drowning man. And okay. we too find ourselves drowning in our sin, yes. unable to save ourselves. Yes, and we're all right. sinners after And it was all. really like um, you need an expert to jump in and You need an you. expert on sinning yes. is what you need. Yeah. I'd like to know the to definition you. of sin because I don't think I sin. It's doing something bad that God doesn't like. Yeah. Masturbation? Right. God well, definitely doesn't do like that. I don't know. I just... <laughs> I don't know, some of this COVID stuff, you're getting close to it, but we'll get back to that another time. <laughs> now, there you go. I, I tried to work penises into the yeah, episode. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you did. Uh, we'll talk about penises in this topic right now. Oh, excellent. Martina Navratilova. <laughs> she doesn't have a penis. No, but it came up in it's part of it. Did you read the article I sent you the link to? I didn't see the one. I on didn't see that Martina one. Martina Navratilova. No, I just no. sent you the link. I didn't have the actual. Uh, okay. Uh, oh. Cancel culture. Mm-hmm. We spoke about last week, Indeed. right? Um, and here is a really interesting story about Martina Navratilova, famous tennis player, mm, right? Very. What do you think of when you think of Martina Navratilova? Amazing Wimbledon. athlete. She's a lesbian, isn't she? She is. Yes, yeah. lesbian and very uh, physical mm. and, and very rich and really um, played a different style of game to the other women like she was the first to really muscle up and get quite yeah, almost manly in her, Williams. Phys- in her physique. Mm. So she was playing Chris Evert in their sort of iconic matches and Chris Evert Lloyd was yeah. more of a graceful, feminine, Touch, um, big American girl. But um, So Navratilova sort of broke a few barriers in that she was openly gay. Yes. Openly uh worked on the gym and muscles, um, and she hired a um, as a as her coach a trans person. So um, oh, did she? yes, 
Dr. Renee Richards, a former Navy pilot, eye surgeon and captain of the Yale tennis team, who in the 1970s successfully uh, sued the Women's Tennis Association for the right to compete in professional women's tournaments. So, mm-hmm. so she's gay, she uh, has a partner, Judy Nelson, and her coach is a trans, one of the first sort of tra- openly trans people. Trans um, woman. Yeah, trans, I, yes. That would have been huge in the 80s. Exactly. Huge. And she was a real outspoken sort of activist for all of those groups. She doesn't like our Margaret Court, does she? Well, let me get on to this. Oh, all right. Um, so. Um, <laughs> She's not the only one that doesn't like <laughs> Margaret Court. <laughs> so there's a guy called Glenn Greenwald from The Intercept. Yes. Now, Glenn, Glenn Greenwald is as left-wing as you can get. Absolutely. We can agree on that. Yes. He was a big fan of Martina Navratilova and wanted to make a movie documentary about her. And he's a gay man and for all the things that she stood for mm-hmm. and he was a tennis fan, blah, blah, wanted to tell her story, not only just the sporting side but her activism side, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So – He's determined he's going to do a documentary and he's looking for a director to be the director of the documentary. And um, he comes across a director called Kimberly Pierce who had directed the extraordinary and groundbreaking film Boys Don't Cry. So this was the true story of Brandon Tina, a trans boy who was raped and murdered in Nebraska in 1993 just weeks after turning 21. And so this director had fought for three years to get the film made. It was a big success. Um, It earned an Academy Award nomination for the then unknown Chloe Sevigny as Best Supporting Actress and at the time the relatively obscure Hilary Swank was chosen over Meryl Streep um, to play Tina and she won the Best Actress Award. So... Um, to play the role, this director required Hilary Swank to live as a man for months prior to the filming. Like, really, take this seriously. You're going to be a trans person. You Method build. acting, right? Yeah, whatever. Okay. Huge sort of success. And the director of that film, this Pierce, was invited to go to a university, uh, Reed College in Oregon, and she was then to give a speech after showing the film. But as she began to speak, student protesters rushed the stage and began hurling insults at the director. Um, Signs had been posted aimed at this director that read, fuck your transphobia, you don't fucking get it, and fuck this cis white bitch. And for more than two hours, screaming students refused to let this director speak about this trans-positive film. And the reason was because... She hadn't cast a trans person to oh. play the part of Tina. <clears throat> surprised, that not surprised. Right? Was the reason for cancelling that director? Isn't that absurd? This is helping Trump. All of this rubbish. Yes. So um, this director Pierce tried explaining that she wanted to cast a trans male actor and interviewed many. She couldn't find one who could carry the film the way Swank was able to and um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, And the fact that she required Swank to live as a male for months before shooting and that Mm. eventually Swank won uh, Academy Award, um, 
says won an that, Oscar yeah, says it was a good director's choice. judgment was correct. So anyway, that director wasn't prepared to do the Navratilova movie documentary for that and for other reasons, which he goes on to in this in this um, piece. So Greenwald's still determined to make the movie. He's but he's had this discussion with his peers about this earlier trans one, going oh shit. So still determined to make the movie. But then in 2018, December, everything changed. Navratilova had seen photos posted on Twitter of a trans woman who, without undergoing sex reassignment surgery, was competing as a professional athlete in women's sports, specifically cycling. The trans woman was not only competing but beginning to win, sometimes in a dominant fashion, even though in her mid-30s she was already past the normal prime uh, for cycling competition. Cycling expert was... She went on to become world champion. Okay. Navratilova observed that she was vanquishing professional female athletes who were cis women and who had lived their entire lives and had gone through puberty as women. So Navratilova, after seeing the photo, was wondering aloud on Twitter whether trans women who have not had sex reassignment surgery and who have lived most of their lives as men should be able to compete in female sports. (gasps) How dare she? She's sort of pondering aloud. Well, the internet just came crashing down <laughs> on Navratilova. On Navratilova, yes. yes. And the denunciations, I've already explained, Navratilova, openly gay, living <laughs> the with a woman. have no and mercy. And had a trans coach mm. in the 70s when these things were unheard mm. of. Mm. The denunciations as an on Navratilova as an anti-trans bigot were instantaneous, swift and brutal, and they took zero account of her lifetime pioneering devotion to all of these issues. And um, so... The left continues to eat itself and Trump sits back and just smile on his face, rubbing his hands together. So Navratilova then went into full-blown repentance mode. Did she? Oh, did she? By the way, this article is by Glenn Greenwald, and Glenn Glenn Greenwald is as left-wing as you can get. So he's unhappy about this treatment. So when you say the left... Unhappy about the the treatment treatment of of Navratilova. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he's agreeing that this is crazy, this cancel culture. Mm. Mm. Okay. So Navratilova went into full-blown repentance mode. Yeah, mea culpa. Really? I, I promise... You look, never, you I'm, never do that. She said, look, I won't speak on this issue for two months. I'm going to go away and I'm going to research and learn more and I'm just going to say nothing for two months. So she did that, as promised. And? Well, oh, she, she no, then that's broke. that's not a mea culpa. Well, not mea culpa, but well. Um, I'm going to go away and have a think about no, this. No, okay, let me. Um, I after, might come back and apologise, but I might come back and tell you already get stuffed. As after well. deleting the offending tweets and apologising, Navratilova oh. continued to be branded as an anti-trans bigot. She was told she had harmed trans people. Yeah. Um, so she did apologise. Oh, um, so she didn't speak for two months. But then after two months, in an op-ed in the London Times, she published a column recounting um, that she'd promised to stay quiet, uh, quiet. And she said, well, I've now done that and, if anything, my views have strengthened. And not only did she reaffirm her view that it was unfair for trans women to compete against cis women in professional sports, she went further claiming it was a form of cheating, particularly when sex reassignment surgery was not required but instead merely a regimen of hormone treatments, which could be reversed at any time. So she's just saying it's not good enough. Yeah. And, um, and she went on. So um, uh, 
What happened here seems clear. Now I've read all over by asking an earnest question, one which is on the minds of many people as they watch these profound social changes but are uninformed about the science and the specific claims invoked to justify these changes. Once she was exoriated, exoriated? Mm. without any nursing or understanding, it drove her further into a feeling of alienation from her accusers. So the documentary is not going to happen for all now, but what an extraordinary story! Like seriously, Martina Navratilova, a great advocate for gay. It's only it's one of a number and, of those sorts of stories. Hmm. Crazy stories hmm. of yeah. cancel culture. There are quite a lot of stories in the media at the moment, or at least the media that I read about um, trans activism and the cancel culture that seems to accompany it. Hmm. And there's a, a bunch of people, including, of course, we know. Uh, a, what's her name? Ra- J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, mm. who've come out and said, look, sorry, but, you know, if you're born a female, regardless of what you do to yourself the rest of your life or if you're born a male, that's basically what you are. And, I, I mean, not that you have to stay that way and live that way for the rest of your life, but in terms of biologically biological essentialism, and and let's face it, in sport we separate male and female sports for a very good reason, because males are inherently stronger and have not only greater uh, physical strength, greater stamina and staying power than females, okay? Mm. So we know males are born with an athletic advantage. You Mm. allow men to compete as women, of course they're going to beat the women, mm. you know, and it's been shown that they in- invariably do if they've got any sort of athletic prowess to start with. Yeah, what Martina was actually saying there was that there were people that hadn't, hadn't undergone any sort of surgery. Yes, or but the like surgery that. doesn't change I know that. that I understand biological that. Yeah, advantage. Exactly, and, and like Trevor's saying, yeah, you, can turn, you can turn on and off hormone treatments. Yep. And you've just got that body mass and strength. Exactly. Um, so her uh, trans coach who had competed as a tennis player, Dr. Renee Richards, um, she came out also and said it's unfair because <laughs> when she did it, she yeah. transitioned before puberty. Ah. So she had done a much more serious transition and so hadn't had the benefit of of a, of a obviously male physique. So... So she, even this woman who was a trans athlete herself and had mm. competed, said it's not fair that these yeah. trans a- uh, athletes are competing yeah. when they're doing it post-puberty. Mm. Yeah. I, I read an article some months ago by an American woman who specialised in these things and, mm. and she, she, was, she was involved in, I think, college uh, sports, college-level sports and perhaps observe got to observe high school like elite high school level sports and she said that at the moment in the united states it's becoming increasingly common for teenage boys to transition and then if they're athletic they just dominate yes they absolutely dominate and Mm. the girls just cannot beat them yeah i've seen video clips of Mm. that sort of thing it's gonna be interesting to see where that all finishes up because it's a very complicated issue Mm. and Mm. Yeah, not a lot is understood about it and it's very complicated and complex and icky and, yeah, it's just going to take a while to sort that one out. Hmm. Let's let's get our medical professionals working on uh, uh, mask <laughs> theories before. Trans, I reckon that's trans a priority. That's theories. probably a bigger yes. priority. Yeah. I hope that doesn't offend anyone by saying that. Well, but. 
Right. Still I'm worried about the next pandemic. Right. We've got to get this mask thing sorted out before the next pandemic because yeah. that's the what one we've got to worry about. A serious one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cancel culture and beans. So, beans? yes, in the United States, um, for years, the Goya brand was synonymous with Latino American dream. The sheer uh, number of products that line the grocery store aisles, from refried pinto beans to sazon and azafran seasoning. Basically, a really, really popular Latino food brand in America. And the boss of the organisation met with Trump in the Rose Garden and was recorded as saying, we're all truly blessed at the same time to have a leader like President Trump, who is a builder, Mr Unanu said, and that's what my grandfather did. So the leader, the, the head of the, um, the Goya brand, praised Trump and immediately people decided to boycott the Goya brand, which mm. had been a family favourite for generations. Oh. And so, Scott, you would claim this is a boycott rather than yeah, a cancel a boycott, culture. Yeah, it's a yeah. boycott. And thoughts, gentlemen? On, I've got on something to add on boycotts, and I do agree with Scott, it's a boycott. Bef- before you do, there, there were, I also saw a picture of Trump's daughter um, t- holding a can of beans or talking about the beans, and, and people were saying, well, this is a, a, an abuse of, of uh, office because people in the government are not supposed to be in any way associated with promoting branded goods. Yeah, he's since been photographed with beans on the on the Resolute Desk, it's called, I think. He the Oval Office Desk is called the Resolute Desk or something. Whose desk? The President's Desk in the Oval Office. Is it called? The desks the... have names, do they? I, I could... don't know. Somebody Google and tell me if the desk in the Oval Office is called mm. the Resolute or something yeah, like that. Trump's shameless, isn't he? Totally shameless. He's supposed to step away from all of his businesses as well as soon he as he took though, office did and he? he didn't. So no. I think in terms of misdemeanours... <laughs> It's a small one. You know, if he's holding up a can of beans, that's nothing in comparison to him still being the director of his empire. And installing his family in um, high-paid government positions. So we're all okay with people deciding, oh, I'm not going to buy those beans. Stupid company likes their choice. Okay. Um, What I have a problem with is secondary boycotts. And from my understanding, and I'm by no means an expert on this, but secondary boycotts are actually illegal. So that's a situation where um, I own a big business and Paul owns a business and he sells products to you, Trevor, and I say to you, Trevor, as a customer of me, stop buying Paul's products because I don't like Paul. Right. You're not actually – that is illegal. Right. So for a case where you've got – people who watch, say, the Alan Jones show mm-hmm. and they see that he has sponsors, mm-hmm. they have every right to say, well, I'm not going to use, let's say he's sponsored yeah. by Young mm-hmm. Hendry's Craft Beer. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to drink Young Hendry's Craft Beer anymore. Mm-hmm. But if I put pressure on Young Henry's to stop sponsoring or I put pressure on other people or other organisations to boycott Young Henry's, that's actually illegal. But GetUp did that. Um, yeah, they do it and it's illegal. 
I don't know the law on secondary mm. boycotts. And I don't I, know it in detail either, but yeah. that's, that's what I've heard. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it because you wouldn't want a situation where I, as a massive company, could put Paul out of business just because I didn't like him by going through you. Yeah, I don't know. I have to look up secondary boycotts. That mm. uh, I would have thought if GetUp had done something illegal that there's enough people who hate GetUp <laughs> that <laughs> they would have been charged. Yeah. Yeah. So they wouldn't mm. have got away with Like Alan Jones yeah. would have said to one of his mates, ah, illegal activity that's hurting me, do something about it. Well, so, there's enough people that hate Trump and he's still... Yeah, but I've got just, the reins of all of his businesses and he's yeah, the President of the United States. So I would have thought there would be enough people to put pressure on Trump to. Yeah, but, well, but my, that didn't happen but, either, did but it? But my point is that GetUp isn't Trump. So GetUp mm. would be subject to a powerful figure like uh, if they were doing something wrong or illegal. So I don't think it could have been illegal because mm. otherwise they would have been charged. There's no way they would have got away with it with enough people hating GetUp, it's particularly. The Liberal Party, let's face mm. it, who hate GetUp. There's no way mm. that they wouldn't have been charged. So mm. let, let's... Well, GetUp let, are a... Um, they're, they're not an Australian organisation, are they? Well... I, th- I, I think they're... I don't know where they're registered. They're based in the US. Act. But it would be an independent operation in Australia. But I think they're... Yeah, they're, they're registered in the US. It doesn't matter. And if, they're... they're their impact on the last election, particularly in Manly, could have been considered as international interference in much the same way as the Russians interfered or supposedly interfered but, in the US election. But, but you can't say that if you don't know where they're registered and what they're, where they're from. Like, you can't um, say that. You shouldn't say that. Oh, do I have to do a retraction there? Well, well, Sorry, well, get well, up. well you can't say that they're guilty of foreign interference if you don't. A, if you I'll don't know, I'll look it up. That's like, that's, like you that's just what I heard. Totally I guessing. Just, I, no, I'm just, not totally guessing. Right. I, I, uh, I wouldn't accuse them of illegal foreign interference in an election without being sure. No, but the whole point is there is no um, shareholding or anything like that with GetUp. It's just a NGO. That might have been might have been set up with seed capital from the US, but it's most of their money comes from private donors donations. here in Australia. Yeah. Private so, donors here in Australia, yeah. yeah. And I would have thought that they would operate independently in Australia on Australian issues, wouldn't yeah. you think? My, my recollection of it is that they were set up by the union like, movement. With, without us knowing, it's useless talking about it unless mm. we've actually examined it. I love so, speculating, though. Well, well, I hate <laughs> speculating on something like that if you've got absolutely no idea. Like, So we can't. We're just guessing mm. about something we could be completely wrong about. But just getting back to the beans guy before we leave that one. So uh, people boycotted. The beans. Unexpectedly. A lot or, of people? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But on the other hand, lots of people now buying the beans. That's what I would have thought. Who didn't before mm-hmm. because now buying beans is a political action. So. Um, like not wearing a mask. Yeah. In, <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> reached the point where buying beans is a, is a political statement. Um, if, for example, um, the bean sales for that company plummeted mm. and weren't made up for by the by the MAGA groups now yeah. buying beans and the company suffered um, a significant downfall, 
would the would the company be able to say to the CEO, you know what, that was a really really stupid thing to do, um, reasonably foreseeable that you could have ruined our business. Mm. Uh, you're no longer CEO. I'm sacked him. Yeah, how would you be with that? How would I be? Would, would you say that was a, uh, a, a an action open to a a board to sack the CEO because they of, always can, can't they? I'm just making sure. Like, I don't know where you stand on these things half the time, Paul. Like, you, it would not have surprised me if you'd board. have said, "How dare they? The man's got free speech. He should be able to say what he likes." So, it's I just not about I, free speech. Okay, okay. Well, in good. that case, is it? No, that's, I, I, I didn't. You know, even think of free speech okay. when you were talking about it, right? Because you know, we made were a talking about statement that's in, going to cost him his job. Well, you know, last week. Slightly off topic, but last li- before we, before okay. you, before you tell right. me last week, okay. you're just okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay. okay. I mean, right. what goes on inside a company board? Okay. okay, is between them and them, isn't it? I'll just file that away for future reference. <laughs> okay, <laughs> because because well, an editor gets fired for mucking up, but ah, a CEO. That's what I was just about to get to. Right. Okay. And I was reading an article today about the New York Times and yeah. and the way the. Um, it was the opinions editor who mm. resigned, wasn't mm. fired, resigned in disgust, right, mm. at the way mm. she was treated. Mm. I read a, a, an article today who, who, by someone who was saying um, the reason the New York Times, which used to be evidently considered to be the bearer of the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth in terms of the US media, um, used to have a, a much wider readership, but with the downturn of print media mm. and the necessity of turning to uh, subscriptions and paywalls, their readership base has narrowed a whole lot, you know, and and that's why that, uh, you know, they've become so careful not to offend their readership is because they know who their readership is now because they're all subscriptions, you know. And they, I guess, rightly or wrongly, have guessed that their readership are people who tend to be on the left of the political spectrum, and mm-hmm. that's why. Mm-hmm. So it was not a, a random um, event at all. Mm-hmm. Just talking back to the earlier topic, somebody in the chat room, Peter, who I can assure you is eminently qualified on this particular issue, mm-hmm. says secondary boycott laws only apply to unions. So, Oh, do they? There you go. Okay. So... I get up, not a union to the best of my knowledge. So, um, right. Thank you, Peter, in the chat room. Right. Um, That was that and that. How are we going here? Uh, Did you see, well, you would have seen for sure, the Black Lives Matter put in yellow paint outside Trump Trump Tower. And the the black woman putting black paint on it? Okay, but before we get to that... (laughs) You've seen the Black Lives Matter written on the road. Okay, outside right outside of, Trump Tower, no, New York City mayor or whoever, somebody in power has mm. authorised the writing in big in big yellow writing on the street, Black Lives Matter, oh. outside Trump Tower. And um, and then I, <laughs> there's a, a clip a of video, this. You've a got video. to watch it, listener. Yeah, yeah. Just... there'll be a link to it where there's uh, two ladies, but one in particular, yeah, black yeah. ladies. yeah. Um, grab this, have these paints, um, tins of black paint, and start spreading it over the Black Lives Matter um, 
yellow road, paint. Yeah, yellow paint. Mm. And then she gets down on her hands and knees and is just spreading it all over and saying, um, basically saying, Black they Lives don't, Matter don't care about black lives. They don't care about black lives. Um, Jesus matters. Um, <laughs> they don't care about us. They don't care about black lives. And, and the, she's smearing this stuff all over and ruining the Black Lives Matter. Yeah. And, and she was a black woman. And the yes. police that are there are just so confused. It's like, what do I do? Yes, yes. They're being very gentle with her. Yeah. And she's down on all fours, hands and knees, spreading this paint out. Yeah. And it's obviously incredibly slippery because one of the policemen is Cops trying to grab her and it's like out of Keystone Cops or something. <laughs> and Cops she's also sliding around and out. slipping all over. Ban the police. Ban the police. Yeah. That's bullshit. Yeah. And oh, what she is saying is um, refund the police. So you've heard this. Oh, de- not you've defund. Of, you've heard of refund. defund yes, the police. Yes, yeah. So she's going, well, the opposite of yes, defund the police refund is them. refund the police <laughs> instead of just fund the police, perhaps. She was better. one but, of these people you refer to as a contrarian, I think. I, think, I think she was. But anyway, one of the really interesting moments in it is the police are being very gentle with her. Yeah. And there's some black guys around telling her to fuck off. And yeah. and one guy is yelling at the police, why aren't you doing something? <laughs> yeah. Why aren't you arresting her? Yeah. It was confusion it reigned. Was, yes. Oh. There was so many Because issues. you think she shouldn't be doing that. She's spreading pain all over the road. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. but someone's already put pain all over the road. Yeah. So, oh, I don't and know. then she's a black I, person I didn't even know how to feel about it. The Black Lives Matter. <laughs> And then you've got black people telling the police to arrest this person. Why aren't you doing something? Incredible like irony. All of the it? issues wow. are kind of wrapped up in a crazy scene. It's like one of those situations York. where in a movie where everyone's at a standstill with guns pointed at each other. <laughs> yes. It's like, yes. what do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. It was, um, it was very You've got to watch it. It's great. It sounds hilarious. You get a good yeah. laugh out of that. Yeah. So um, On a very serious topic, but it's yeah. still funny. Right, we've been going a while. Um, do we want to kind of? It's it's, about, it's over an hour and a half. Do we, is there anything that you wanted to cover that I've sent in the notes that you really? Oh, the Chaplin's one was a good one. I thought okay. that's worth talking about. Navy Chaplin. Navy Chaplin. Yeah. yeah. So, oh. um, this guy's a hero. Mm. <laughs> so, this came from the National Secular Lobby, and mm. testimony has been given by one of Australia's Defence Force. Not one of, uh, the no. leading, I think it said. Top chaplains. Top chaplain. Okay. Yeah. Has brought into question the employment of solely religious chaplains in Australia's military. In evidence given to the Defence Force Remuneration Tribunal, Navy Director General Chaplaincy and Principal Chaplain Colin Acton said that theological degrees did little to prepare religious chaplains for the provision of pastoral care required in the modern Australian Defence Force, and basically it goes on where um, he said that they're basically doing sort of non-religious pastoral care. And well-being support. Yes, and the type of care we regularly deal with includes such issues as relationship breakdown, family and domestic violence, anxiety, depression, suicide, and the wider complexities around members having trouble at work finding it difficult to make friends, etc. And there is little in a theology degree that prepares a chaplain for the practical 
pastoral and mental health related issues. And exactly the same things would be happening in our schools where mm. they're not allowed to proselytise. They're supposed to be dealing with similar sorts of issues of relationships and family breakdowns and all those things. Mm. Um, and a theology degree uh, is not helpful. It doesn't help. Yeah, mm. Not at all. Yep. So, What a surprise. Mm. More people like Colin Acton in the world. Mm. Yep. At least he's being Saying honest. it how it is. Yeah. Extremely honest, yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Okay, well, I've got other stuff in the list, but we'll get to it next time, I think, okay. to keep oh, this yeah. manageable. If before the next episode, which, dear listener, now, I think while I'm away, I might record one while I'm on a boat. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Depends on how many books I get through. <laughs> so anyway, there might be an episode late next week or there might be one not until two weeks' time. Just have okay. to wait and see. So we'll see what happens. Are you taking Pinker with you? Onto the boat? Uh, no, because I've got to have <coughs> the internet have, with me yeah, when I'm you. reading Pinker. Cause, oh, right. Because I have to check his footnotes. Is there no internet on the boat? No, oh. no internet. Maybe what kind of yep. self-respecting friend have you got with yeah. a boat with no yeah. internet? Yeah, so I'm looking forward to being out on the internet, actually. So, so yes, there may or may not be a podcast next week. If there is, it'll be late. And then, uh, anyway, we'll be back Tuesday the following week. So. Yes. Sounds like right. a plan. All right. Until then, dear listener, thanks for hanging in there. Talk yeah. to you next time. I'll see you in a fortnight. That Bye was now. fun. Hope you enjoyed the program. Bye, everyone. Marty quit drinking. Found religion for a while. I didn't love that. To be honest, I preferred him before. He had a sense of humor then. Well, dear listener, did you enjoy that episode of the podcast? If you did, I've got a favour to ask. Uh, first up, tell some friends. Let them know about the podcast. You'll be discussing something at some time and you might be repeating something I've said. And when you're talking to your friends, say, hey, I heard this on this podcast and it's worth listening to. And maybe pick an episode that you think's a good one and direct them to it. Like grab their phone and go to their podcast app and search for Iron Fist Velvet Glove and subscribe <laughs> on their behalf, on their phone, and uh, and just put the word out. The other thing is you could become a patron and support the show. So if you go to our website, you'll see a link to Patreon, and there are some different options for subscribing and paying per episode. And really the amount that you pay depends on what you get from the podcast. So there's different levels ranging from a dollar fifty Australian to I think ten dollars and various ones in between. It's really what do you think it's worth? Is it worth a cup of coffee? Uh, is it worth more than that, less than that? Whatever you get out of it, because not everybody gets the same. Maybe you don't listen to the whole thing. Maybe you never talk about it with people. Maybe you really couldn't care less half the time whether the podcast is there. It just it'll be different for everybody. So if you get a lot out of the podcast, contribute a bit more. If you don't get much, contribute less. But in any event, you can subscribe there. If you don't like the idea of a regular subscription, the website has a link to a PayPal donation. So you could just do a one-off donation every now and again. So there you go. It'd be good to uh, spread the word, get a few more listeners and that way, look, if we ended up getting more listeners and more money, we could do 
maybe a second episode or more special episodes, provide some more content. So it's up to you. If you think it's worthwhile, let people know. Thanks.